We are very pleased to welcome to London Live Ontario Education Minister Stephen Lecce. Minister Lecce, thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Mike. Good to be back. Good to have you back. Well, a big announcement today. Why don't we start with the students themselves and reading and math and how uh, an announcement like this let's say, is going to personally affect students when it comes to any issues that they may have in reading and math? What's happening? Well, yesterday we did announce a plan to refocus the system on improving fundamental skills of reading, writing, and math. Uh, It is what matters most, and EQAO data has confirmed it. Many parents, particularly young kids, they've seen their kids regress over the past few years. And so we brought forth a plan to bolster and directly improve those skill sets. We're going to be hiring a thousand additional teachers, almost uh, 700 uh, reading specialist educators to improve literacy. We're going to assess every child in senior kindergarten grade one and two. The first time we're introducing a screening of children to measure their literacy. If the kids aren't at the provincial standard, we're now going to have hundreds of additional teachers, a hundred million dollars of hiring of staff that we could deploy to help those kids get on track. On math, we've doubled the amount of math coaches in Ontario schools. We've ensured every school board has one senior leader singularly responsible for increasing outcomes when it comes to uh, mathematics and the training of staff, because a lot of teachers need to keep improving our training of them they can be the best they can be in the classroom. The other element is we're uh, increasing financial literacy in the curriculum and in uh, the classroom. We've added more funding for that. Uh, And I think something that really excites me overall is that this plan goes back to basics with the modern curriculum where we mandate financial literacy and coding in every grade, a new language curriculum this September that uh, is going to help kids with their reading. It follows the recommendations of the Ontario Human Rights Commission and many others. So what I can tell you, Mike, is that this has been a lot of work for over many months to really uh, step up our game when it comes to the skills that matter to kids and to their futures. And I think a lot of families will benefit from this investment uh, to elevate standards and the outcomes of these kids. So there's the student part, but this legislation seems to have other pieces to it and one of them deals with the fact that school boards can declare a property a surplus and then as we mentioned earlier in the show it could be used for other school boards or by other school boards by universities colleges municipalities and the ontario government now this seems to put the ontario government at the top of the list with first right of refusal correct no so the so well specifically at the top of the list, no, the other school board would still have the first right to purchase the school. We still offer, so for example, if there's a public school board that has an extra property that's not being used today for learning, let's just say it's an empty school, right, which exists in a lot of our communities, that school can now be offered to the other boards. They say no, then it comes to the province. So the first right of refusal goes to the education sector. If you need it, take it based on enrollment. And if not, then it comes to us and we may say, look, uh, that would be a beautiful long-term care site. Uh, It's not doing anything for kids. It's sitting empty. Sometimes it's being rented. Sometimes it's a parking lot. Sometimes it's they they use old schools for for storage. And I'm thinking, my goodness, in a world where the market is so expensive for land, how do we better position schools uh, for the community? The other thing is there's sometimes territorialism between school boards. So the one school board has an extra property, the other board wants it, they desperately need it, the enrollment is increasing, but they don't get it sold to them for whatever 
issues and reasons. Well, that's unacceptable. The taxpayer paid for the school, and yet it sits empty. And then they come to the ministry saying, hey, I need you to buy this expensive piece of land for $25 million in downtown London. Could you do this for me? Because the other board won't sell it. But it's sitting empty. And the taxpayers paid for it. It's just ludicrous. I mean, no one could defend the status quo on this. So I want to have the authority when boards aren't going to work together and put the interests of children first, I will have the authority to step and say, folks, that school that hasn't been used for 13 years could be put to great use this September for the other board and make it a more equitable process of using the real estate portfolio. We're one of the largest real estate holders in the country in education. So it's about time we better maximize the use of those assets and, frankly, make them uh, create more schools closer to home. The other thing we're doing, Mike, is we're expediting the, how we build schools. We've got to build them quicker. It shouldn't take six, eight, nine, ten years in some communities to build the school. These are the same, frankly, copy-paste, modeled, you know, uh, modulated schools. I mean, it's the same projects fundamentally just based on maybe a little bit bigger goals smaller based on the enrollment and yet it takes us a decade for approvals from start to finish so we're going to one of the issues that i've heard there mr lecce is that there was a school that was to be built in an area of the province many years ago and the surrounding housing fell through and then the school had nobody who was going to go to it so what they did was they stopped putting the cart before the horse so is that what you're removing that we'll just build the school well actually you raise a wonderful example of right now in ontario as of today school boards are not required to work with their municipal government on planning future school builds meaning the school will build not really always fully understanding the permits that have been granted for future builds. So you could have a local government approve, I don't know, 2,000 people moving into a a subdivision down the street. But the school board may not know that. So there's no requirement for the two of them to work together. This legislation will require the boards to work together. The legislation also imposes a binding requirement on school boards. Their priorities need to be student achievement, that the overwhelming focus of the system needs to get back to the basics of strengthening skills development. There's accountability built in the system. We're going to process how we get teachers. Right now, we certify teachers in the Ontario College of Teachers. It takes 120 days to certify a teacher from London, England, but in Ontario, to teach in our schools. But it takes, in BC, like 40 days. So my point is, we do a lot of good in our schools. I mean, let's not lose sight of There's a lot of good stuff happening every day in our schools. But I insist we up our game. We can do better. And I know we will if we work together and sort of create a bit of a healthy accountability, shake the system up. This legislation, the Education Act, hasn't been touched or really overhauled in a generation. It's about time we have a government that's prepared to really meaningfully look within to figure out how do we in government, school boards, college of teachers, families, community, how do we all work harder and smarter to increase the outcome? You ask a great question right there. Minister Lecce, you ask a great question. We're talking with Education Minister Stephen Lecce. One of the complaints that we do hear is that Mm -hmm. the government doesn't consult before making decisions, is not consulting the people who are in education. And this has been an ongoing criticism. Why does the Ministry of Education seem to avoid those partnerships, those partnership tables you could create with educators in order to get that guidance? Well, I hear that from the unions. And I mean, they've been saying that probably for 30 years. Um, So I'm not surprised by that. I think what I'm actually, I'm going to take a different approach on this, Mike. 
you suggest a lack of consultation or, you know, through you, other people are saying that. I'd argue that governments haven't sufficiently listened to the greatest stakeholder in the system, and that's parents, who are very much ignored in today's education system. So the voices I fall through on are the ones who have the majority stake in the system, who often have been sidelined because of either bureaucracies or unions or other interests that often triumph. So this is about repatriating power back to the people, listening to parents and creating accountability for all of us in government and school boards to do better, to fulfill the requirements, priorities, and the wishes of people who pay the bills, who raise their kids, and who really want their their children to be uh, their very best as they exit and graduate the Ontario education system. Minister Lesha, I know you have to go, but in 45 seconds, I just want to say one thing and hear your reaction to it. Are we heading toward mega schools? There's a lot of people concerned about that in southwestern Ontario. You know what? That's going to always be a decision point at the school board. We're not setting out requirements. Look, I, I approve some of the smallest schools in the province's history. I'm thinking about a school in Belmont, Ontario, in southwestern or just outside of London. You will know about Belmont. That school that Rob Flack, your member of Par- provincial parliament, and his predecessor, Jeff Urich, lobbied for, we delivered it. Then they realized there was going to be more growth. I worked with the local mayor and the school board and the MPP to expand it in real time and accelerate the approvals to get it done. We will build schools. We will fund schools according to the priorities of where the growth is. Some communities, growth could be, you know, another thousand people. And that puts great pressures on our schools. We will work with those communities. In some communities, it'll be massive growth. Either way, the decision on the size of the school ultimately will be made by the board. Today's announcement does not change that. Um, We'll always listen to communities on the way forward. I'm hearing a lot of school boards that say to me or parents that say, look, why can't we join new schools? We've got two schools that are sitting at 60% that are empty. So like 40% of the school is empty, two schools across the street. So are there ways we can better build one school where we put all of them together, we increase their course offerings. Usually that means better recreational spaces, bigger gyms. It means more opportunities for the kids when it comes to sports infrastructure. So can we do more within the system? Can we have two schools that are underperforming and frankly uh, with low enrollment come together into one modern school? And that's the outside the box thinking. Can we do join new schools? A school board maybe wants to build a school at the Boys and Girls Club of London or the YMCA. Right now, it is very difficult to do that. There's 40 schools of 5,000 to do that. But why not allow us to work with partners? I mean, I'm talking about, you know, nonprofits. I mean, I'm talking about local community partners that actually could add more value. So I'm just trying to say to folks, look, I want to challenge the system. I want to modernize it, bring it into the 21st century, frankly, and increase the accountability so we get back to the basics and step up when it comes to skills development. If we do that, I think we're going to help set kids up for success with modern schools, a modern curriculum. Another priority, Mike, in the legislation is it requires the minister to update curriculum. You know, I was on your show when we did the new math curriculum. 14 years, 12 to 14 years, the math curriculum was stagnant, no change. Science, another 12 years. That's ridiculous. The entire global economy changed. There's no references on financial literacy, on quoting on AI in any of our STEM curricula. That's a problem. It gives our kids a competitive disadvantage. So I've required in the legislation, every curriculum must be updated on a rolling basis to make sure it's aligned with the labor market and where the puck is going when it comes to job opportunities and skill sets. So there's a lot in here. I I get that. 
but I think we need to really do a lot and, and, and lift the standards in Ontario. And I'm excited that we're finally bringing a healthy level of accountability to the system that focuses on our kids and on their academic success. Minister Lecce, thank you so much for the time today. Thank you. Great chat. Uh, Ontario Education Minister Stephen Lecce.